Trasher. And we have a guest for you tonight, and Trasher is going to talk to uh, Tom Bernhardt of the Eau Claire Area Stars. Tom, welcome to the show, and uh, Trasher, take it away. All right. Uh, thanks, MJ. Uh, all right. I'm just going to give a little bit of an introduction here. Um, Tom Bernhardt played high school hockey for Eau Claire Memorial back in the mid to late 80s, and Mike Sullivan, who's one of our, our friends from the uh, Eau Claire area, called him a dominant defenseman. Uh, Bernie also played a couple years at UWEC. He coached the Eau Claire North boys for 11-plus years, and he's been with the Eau Claire area stars for, I believe this is his seventh year, and uh, they were state champs in 2018. Uh, Tom, welcome to the show tonight. We're glad to have you. Thanks for having me tonight. Hey, no problem. Um, so we'll get right to it. Uh, this year, you guys uh, have a 14-2-1 record. You ranked fourth on the WIPH top 10. Um, so last year, you graduated Charlotte Akrovic, Ava Keeson. Uh, you maybe have a little bit of a more balanced scoring lineup this year. Uh, Madison Schwengler and Paige Rodriguez lead your team with 23 points each. You have five other girls scoring in double figures. How do you approach this season knowing that you lost uh, the big guns like Akervik and Keeson last year? Yeah, I think, Mike, the, the last couple of years we were fortunate to have some high-end players that, you know, if you look statistically, I mean, these these kids were scoring 50, 60 points a season. And, you know, we were fortunate to have the back-to-back -back players of the year and Abigail Stowe back in 2018 and Charlotte Akerbeck last year. And, you know, quite honestly, going into this year, it was a question mark, I think, for us as to who was going to step up. And, you know, we've been fortunate this year to have multiple kids, as you mentioned, um, scoring in double digits. And it seems like every night there's somebody that's, different that's contributing to us uh for us offensively okay uh yeah i mean you have uh schwengler with 23 points rodriguez with 23 uh cammy krumenacher with 17 lauren carmody with 16 Paige rupert 16 annika olsen 14 emmy verhag with 10 i mean that's some pretty balanced scoring and it's like you don't have to really lean on that one player every game to uh get you over the hump yeah, I know it's it's the depth, I think, that this year has kind of has really defined us as a team. And, you know, what we've been able to do here, and especially the last few weeks where we've been getting, I hate to say, a third line, but, um, you know, we've been getting production from three different lines offensively. And it's, it just seems as though it's it's one game, it's, it's one group that steps up and, and plays well for us offensively. And, you know, we've always been pretty pretty solid group defensively with our, our goaltenders that we have and our defensive core limited teams as far as our shots that we give up and our goals allowed. So, you know, I think this year is probably the most balanced team that, that we've had and I've had coaching here in the last seven years. So looking at the, the stats, um, I mean, you have a pleasant problem in that you have – Alicia Smith, who's a sophomore, and Naomi Stowe, who's been your goalie for the last couple of years, a junior, uh, basically more or less splitting time. Uh, how do you kind of deal with that? Well, it, it's a, a nice problem to have. And, you know, unfortunately, when you're looking at the goaltender position, there's only one of them that can play. Um, and we've been in a situation this year where early on we – 
you know, really rotated both goaltenders and both, both kids have worked really hard in practice and have pushed each other and have shown improvement. And the last three games, it's, it's really been Alicia that's had a hot hand for us. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, we look at and, and hopefully that continues. And, and Naomi, when her opportunity arises, she steps up and plays well like she's been playing. With Both of them are over 91% save percentage, I believe, on the season. So, you know, we're, we're very confident putting either either young lady in there between the pipes. And, you know, right now it's it's Alicia that's played well, very well the last three, giving up one, I think, in our last three games against some pretty good hockey teams. Yeah, you have uh, five shutouts between the two of them, and you are correct. They are both over 91%. I don't think you have a backup goalie. I think you just have two two starting goalies. It just, you know, depends on who's got the hot hand at the moment and maybe give them the opportunity to step up and play for that particular game. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, we've talked to the kids multiple times during the course of the season about, you know, how we're going to use them and, um, whoever's not playing in the varsity game is, is going to get an opportunity to play in a, a reserve game that we'll have. And so, I mean, they're, they're both getting playing time and then they both get extensive work in practice. So, you know, it's, it's when your opportunity arises, Mike, I think we, we, the kids have done a, a wonderful job of stepping up and, and playing well when their opportunity is, has arisen. All right. Um, Let's talk special teams. Uh, the play so far that I've seen um, on the website, the stats is excellent. You are first in the state in the, your power play, uh, 28% success, fourth in the state on the penalty kill, 91.5. Tell me a little bit about those teams. Yeah, I think special teams is something that um, you know, like we've said the last couple of years where you've really had some high end, high end players and, and special teams has been a strength of ours. And, you know, you look at power play opportunities and I think kids sometimes get frustrated in practice because in many, many cases they're going against our penalty kill, which, you know, we feel is definitely a strength of ours with, with the gals that we're able to, to roll out there in a penalty kill situation. But, you know, we're, you know, statistically, when you, especially when you get to the tournament and you play as, as many close hockey games as, as we played this year, those special team situations are going to be extremely important going down the stretch here. All right. Um, let's look at the playoffs a little bit. Section one, um, basically, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm leaving a couple teams out here because they're not like high rank, but they're still, they could be contenders. Eau Claire area, Hayward, Hudson, St. Croix Valley, arguably, I think you have the toughest section on the state. You got four teams. Any one of them could go to state. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, and that's really been the situation the last few years where it's, it's hard no matter what section you're in. It's, it's difficult to get to a state tournament. I think you've got to have the breaks fall your way you have to be healthy going into the tournament and stay healthy during the tournament and and capitalize on your opportunities and and we know coming out of our section you know is definitely a privilege and the last couple years it's been us back in 2018 and we were a two seed having uh split with hudson back in 2018 and and we came out of there and last year hudson was a two seed coming coming out of our section um, but I mean, you, you talk about the, the teams that we do have, and I don't want to leave anyone out just because 
you look at the games and the and the comparable scores with teams within our section, and and they're all very close hockey games, one two goal games, um, and and anyone on any given night, I think, can can win a, a playoff game and, and come out of this section this year. All right, uh, Dell, you got a question for Tom? Hey, Tom, how's it going? It's going well, Dell. Uh, I actually got to watch you guys when you played the Lynx, and of course. Trasher knows I, I like keeping my own spreadsheet here besides the stats we got on site. And going over my spreadsheet right now, I look and say out of the teams in the state, you've actually got the third highest winning percentage. Your opponents have the second highest opponents winning percentage. And your opponents' opponents, you actually sitting there with the third highest uh, their, their winning percentage. And that, I think, it reflects in the way you've had to play this year. You beat the Lynx three to nothing. Um, you tied Central Wisconsin the first time you played them and lost to them the last time. And with what you're saying about Hudson, you know, and being up there in the conference and everything, it's always going to be t- tough. Uh, so when you're putting your schedule together, the, uh, how much does that play into it, trying to make sure you, you're playing a tough schedule, getting you ready for the playoffs? Well, first of all, Dell, I might have you send me those statistics for the CD meeting <laughs> in a couple of weeks. That's that's pretty impressive that you're able to compile all that. Um, but, no, I think the one thing that we look at is, you know, the, the programs that consistently have a JV varsity reserve team um we we need to get as many opportunities for for our team um to play those programs like the central wisconsin's and the hudson's that have traditionally been you know strong teams this year we were fortunate to to have an opportunity to add the metro links um you know knowing mike mccursey and and he had a a good young team coming in this year and, and mike and i had an opportunity to talk last year down in the state tournament and you know he was coming this way to play Hudson on a Friday and wanted to to play us on a Saturday so I think you you look at the the teams in Wisconsin um you know and you obviously are going to have your conference games and you have your holiday tournament and you know we've been fortunate to to be able to play Bay the Bay areas and the and the Fondies and the, the Fox Cities teams and you know, we've got Central Wisconsin coming up here again for the, the third time this season where, you know, those teams and those programs are, are good measuring sticks for you. And, you know, that's kind of, that's what we talk to the kids about. It's like you play Central Wisconsin back in November, you play them in January, and you're going to play them again in February. So, you know, that's, that's how you kind of gauge where you're at as a program playing these teams. And I think you reach out to – you know, other programs that, that have the numbers and are able to field the, you know, reserve programs to give your kids opportunities, because I think that's something that definitely is going to help you in the future. Um, you know, so, I mean, we, we, we play the teams that we play, I think, based on, you know, their, their history of their program, the, the numbers that they have in their program and the level of competition that they're going to provide us. All right. Um, burglar. Yeah, I was just, I've seen your team play a couple of times this year, and I was just wondering, we, we made our, our switch this year from top tens to, to top sixes, mainly because of the 
the splitting of the the boys side but in the past the the top 10 for girls hasn't really necessarily been a top 10 for a lot of years it was like the top four or five and then there was just a huge drop off after that this year it seems like it goes a lot deeper um again your section you know heavily involved in that but there there seem to be a lot more teams uh that are capable of of beating you know any of the the top teams this year then we probably could do you know we could probably even do a, a legitimate uh top 10 with you know 10 solid girls teams in there what do you think about the depth of the girls uh things this year am i off base oh or? definitely oh no definitely and and we um we we had a stretch um back in january where we we lost our first game at hudson and came back and and two days later um, got beat by central wisconsin and you know the, the girls struggled and and that was a 48 hour window where we didn't play very well but we talked to the kids after the game and and just told them, you know, one thing that we have to realize is there's probably 10, 12 hockey teams in the state. And, you know, those 10, 12 hockey teams on any given night um, have an opportunity to beat somebody else. And you look at comparable scores, and, and that's the one thing that you look at the prep hockey website and you look at scores, and sometimes you scratch your head and, and try and figure out what in the world's going on. So, you know, I think it's it's good for the state tournament. It's good for the playoffs coming up where, um, you know, kids, I think, realize that every single night that they have to, to show up and play as hard as they possibly can because the, the team that they're playing is is definitely capable of, of beating them. And I, I think you look at our section um, here in Section 1, and, I mean, there's, there's some hockey teams here where, um, you know, I think, one to seven, um, anyone has an opportunity to win on any given night. So again, it's going to be a, a battle down the stretch here, and it's going to be something that I think is going to be good for the tournament series and and good for people to come out and watch um, playoff hockey. All right, Thomas, uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us tonight. Uh, we always enjoy talking to coaches and uh, getting their insight, and you, you definitely uh, added to it tonight. So, uh, Tom Bernhardt, Eau Claire Area Stars, thank you very much, and uh, good luck the rest of the season, and uh, you take care. Okay, thanks for having me, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Okay, guys, let's move on to our games of the week. We had the Metro Lynx taking on the Cap City Cougars and Hayward and Northland Pines. Let's start out with uh, Metro Lynx and Cap City. Dell, you got a chance to check that one out. Thanks, MJ. This was the second meeting uh, in the Badger Conference between Cap City Cougars and the Metro Lynx. The Cap City won the first game by a score of 3-1, to one, uh, which included two power play goals in the second period. And so we were expecting a nice tight game uh, the second time around also. Uh, and we weren't disappointed. The, there was only one goal in the first period, and that was by Sidney Rass, uh, and was assisted by two of her teammates, Lauren Johnson, Mia Getsky. Uh, and that was the only goal in the first period to, for the Lynx to lead one nothing at the end of one. The second period it was about 30-some seconds into the period that Cap City's Amanda Bauer was credited with a goal to tie the game, but the Lynx didn't want to give that momentum up, and about 
a minute into the second period, took a two to one lead. And then a little bit later in the period, uh, scored a power play goal to go up three to one. And that's how this second period came to an end in the third period. The Cougars kept battling back and actually came back and cut the score three to two. But Sidney Rass was able to put the game away for the uh, Lynx with another goal to cap off a four to two victory to give both teams a one loss in the Badger in the Badger Conference. And so with that, you've got you know the Lynx and Cap City possibly looking at a chance to either end up in a tie for the conference title or rock county is going to have something to say about it with their next games against them and see if they knock one of them off and i'll toss it back to you mj okay we'll talk about the boys game uh burglar down here for uh, hayward northland pines yes i'm sad to say that i did not actually make it up to that game um as you know, it started snowing on Wednesday and didn't end until Saturday. And back when, when my kids played hockey, I was the, the typical hockey parent, and we drove through anything to get to a game because you had to. The game was scheduled. For a while, both the boys played goalies, so, you know, you have to get to the game. They need the goalie. Or if not the goalie, they, at least they need the equipment. We had that too. Um, but uh, I... I didn't have to drive up to Northland to Eagle river. Uh, so I didn't, I thought, um, they have, they have live barn up there, which I think there are over 50 rinks in the state that do, uh, broadcast their, their games on live barn. But, uh, so I thought I would watch it there and listen on WRJO radio to the, uh, silver tongued, uh, Chris Oatman, on uh, the play-by-play, and I did not catch the name of his uh, uh, broadcast, uh, his color man, but but he's a hoot. Um, I listened to the game, didn't get to watch it because Live Barn was down until like five minutes left in the third period. Um, so I don't have much of a recap other than it was a, a scoreless first period. Uh, they traded goals uh, in the second. Uh, Northland Pines, Riley McGee uh, scored with uh, about five minutes left in the second and a couple minutes after that, Gibson Walsh tied it for Hayward, but then Pines put it away in the third period. Um, goals by Max Brown and Zach Millette. Pines outshot Hayward. Um, the stats on our site say 39 to 16, but those those don't actually jive with uh, what they were announcing during the, the broadcast. Um, yeah, they're not even close to what they were announcing during the broadcast. So I don't know if they entered the stats wrong or if, uh, because the shots were fairly close. I mean, in the first and second period, and they say they're, they're way off on the score sheet. So I don't know who was right. Anyway, I didn't get to see it, but Pines won, uh, three to one. We usually do, that was the Pines classic. We normally have done the championship game in that, but. We wanted to get up to this one because it was uh, number two and number three in Division Two in the state. And then the next uh, day, uh, Northland Pines turned around and shut out uh, university school. So uh, good weekend for Pines hosting their, their tournament. 
Well, we will hear more about that USM Pines game shortly. Um, it's time to move on to our Wyndham Garden Inn Players of the Week, the Garden Inn of Fitchburg. And Burglar, step right up and tell us about the boys and girls winners. And we had we had a lot of uh, entries for Players of the Week this week. Especially on the girls' side. Uh, there are a lot of girls that had big weeks this week, and... Uh, we had several several to choose from for our Wyndham Garden Inn of Fitchburg Players of the Week, the Wyndham Garden Inn, the official state tournament headquarters of Wisconsin Prep Hockey, and that's not too far down the road. Uh, on the girls' side, Grace Bunnell, defense for the Metro Lynx. Uh, she had two, two assists in a 4-2 win over Cap Cities, and she had one assist in a 2-0 win over Fox Cities. But she was nominated more for her great defensive play, stopping numerous odd man rushes against the second-ranked Cap Cities and fifth-ranked Fox Cities, uh, which she turned into a, well, oh, yeah, stopped odd man rush, then turned, transitioned, passing the puck up, turned into a quick goal for her team. So defense defender Grace Bunnell of the Metro Lynx is our Wyndham Garden Inn player of the week on the girls side on the boys side sticking with defense uh somebody we had just mentioned earlier well i don't know if we mentioned him by name but brett wilkins the goaltender for northland pines he had well like i said on the site it says the stats that were officially entered it said he had 15 saves in that win over hayward but according to the stats that i have he had he had 18 saves after two periods. So unless they took three shots away in the third period, that number is wrong. He had more than 15 saves, um, at least according to Chris Oltman. And never doubt Chris Oltman. He's been doing uh, radio up there forever. Uh, anyway, then he had 27 saves and a shutout, 3 nothing shutout over University School. So it's the second year in a row that Wilkins has shut out University School in the Pines Classic Championship game. Uh, 27 saves this year, 28 last year. So, Brett Wilkins, our boys, player of the week. What a job by Brett Wilkins. So, Brett Wilkins and uh, Grace Bonnell are the winners of our players of the week this week. And uh, congratulations to both of them. And once again, we will Open it up for nominations next weekend. And then next week on the show, we'll have another Boys and Girls Player of the Week. Well, a lot of us, uh, a lot of them out there are like, okay, well, what's going on with the top six? Well, here's what's going on with the top six. In the top six, Bill Jr. will tell you about it. Some change and not some change. Well, we have change in all three divisions this week. We did not have that last week. Um, girls top six, Central Wisconsin is still number one, Madison Metro Lynx two, Eau Claire Area Stars are third, Cap City Cougars are fourth, the Fox City Stars are fifth, and the St. Croix Valley Fusion are still down in the sixth spot. They seem to be stuck there. Uh, boys, Division Two, Fond du Lac Springs hangs on to the number one spot by the skin of their teeth, uh, Northland Pines is second, Hayward is third, Wanakee is fourth, McFarland is fifth, and Amory is sixth. And in Division One, Notre Dame is first, Wausau West is second, Verona is third, Hudson is fourth, Arrowhead is fifth, and University School is sixth. 
Well, guys, any thoughts on what you see here with the uh, top sixes? Well, it may come, it may come out uh, <laughs> with, the, with the Badgerland <laughs> tournament coming up this week um, because... Superior has Superior Superior has dropped off our, our top six in the D two for the first time uh, this season. But you know the the wise voters I think had recognized that Wapan has made a charge up in the Badgerland Conference. You know other people were looking at somehow you know Amory uh, got in there. But um, we'll see how this we'll see how this Badgerland tournament goes this weekend. Uh, whether Wapan is a legitimate threat in, in Division two. I think a question is going to be, and Burglar and Webb, you both know about this because I've kind of talked about it a little bit, but um, uh, number two, Northam Pines, went 3-0 and last week, um, beating a, a top six D1 opponent, a top six D2 opponent, 3-0, and while Fondy Springs had a 1-1 one -one tie, and I... I you know, I personally, I put Pines ahead and um, put Springs number two. But the the other voters seem to think that uh, Springs still is the stronger team. Any comment on that? Oh, they, they probably remember that, you know, Springs beat Northland Pines five to two in their only head-to-head -head match this year. That, that well, I mean, that does go a long way. And... Um, Pines also took, you know, that loss to an unranked Spash team in which they played, frankly, bad defense. Uh, discounting the empty netter, they gave up five goals. Four of them, their defensemen did nothing while Spash players took wide-open shots in front of the net. I mean, that's, I mean, I saw that in person. I still voted for Pines number one on my ballot, but um, I would not fault anybody who, who put Fondy Springs still at number one. The when I look at you know uh, at it, I look at the win percentage for Fondy Springs is at 84.2, and Northland Pines is at 83.3. But then when I look at their opponents' win percentage, Northland Pines has got their opponents are sitting at 58.7, and uh, Fondy Springs' opponents are at 54.4. And then when you look at their opponents' opponents' win percentage. Oof. They're sitting at 52.9 and 52.3. So, I mean, they're, they're very close. They're basically neck and neck. Right. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they come out in their sectionals and everything. And now are they – one of you will have to answer this for me. Are they in sectionals two and four in different sectionals? Those two teams are in different sectionals. Uh, section two – is basically the Great Northern Conference with Marshfield added and Medford moved over to Section 1. But otherwise, Section 2 is basically the Great Northern Conference tournament all over again. So, so I, I mean, you know, that's, I think Division 2, you know, there's sectionals and who actually makes it down to Madison for the D2 is going to make for an interesting tournament down there. Well, I, I don't know whether it's... Fortunate or unfortunate, or I don't know how you want to classify this in terms of Northland Pines, but you know the the, the fact that there are two divisions because this is this is Pines' year. Um, we went through this in Antigo about 
I don't know, three or four years ago, where Alex Nagel and that group, they had a strong group that was successful all the way up through youth, youth hockey. When they got to be seniors, they, they actually went to the state tournament. Didn't fare that well down there. But with Northland Pines, this is their year. They've got nine seniors who have been successful all the way up. And the team is building, and they've got you know they've gotten stronger each of the last few years. And you know, had there just been a one division tournament, this is probably a year where they could battle, um, you know, the Wausau West in you know the old Section Three, you know, to actually go to the state tournament. Um, if, if you went by the old sections, they would be you know the be between them and Wausau West. I think they're those two teams are hands down above anybody else. Um, so as it is with just with them now in Division Two, they pretty much have a clear shot. Um, but they, I think they could have, they had a team that was built to actually, you know, challenge uh, in a one division state tournament for that section. What I find very strange about this whole thing is that it seems like Northern Pines has this huge advantage playing in the dome over anybody except for Spash. They, it just, maybe it's just my imagination, but I and, think going back that they, and they historically against Spash. Mosinee. Yeah, historically they also have trouble with Mosinee in the Dome. Yeah, I mean, they kick anybody else's butt. If, if Springs came up there, they'd probably beat them, but if they went down and played on the, the big sheet of Fond du Lac, you know, it might be a different story. So, I mean, it's like home, home rink visiting rink advantage i mean you know it just depends on where you're playing at that point in time on uh, who wins the game wow michael you silenced the whole group with that thought yeah they're probably just totally freaked out that i actually said something that might have made sense well yeah, <laughs> He, he manages he manages you, to string three coherent sentences together. Unless you look at their game against Mosinee at the at the dome this year, where where they actually beat Mosinee nine to nothing uh, on January second at the dome. Yeah, that's what made the loss to Spash so surprising because Mosinee turned around and beat the snot out of Spash, and then Spash went up and beat Pines. Yeah, we've had kind of had that down here where. You know, teams take turns beating on teams other than Verona beating up everybody down here. But um, as you see the article that the Eastside Lakers got their first win in eight years in Big 8 conference play, they beat Beloit. Now, the week before, Janesville went up and beat the Lakers like 11, 12, 13, nothing. But the next week, Beloit, after losing to the Lakers, follow me here, Beloit goes into Janesville and beats Janesville five two. I mean, that's just the kind of year it's it's been. It's just you just never know. MJ, maybe you know a little bit about this. Uh, the team that kind of surprises me out of the Big Eight is Sun Prairie this year. I, I mean, you know, the record isn't bad, but I go, we understand Wisconsin Rapids is struggling a little bit this year. Uh, you know, it's probably one of their down years. Uh, they lost. They beat them uh, four to two, uh, and they hung right with USM. Lost nine to eight to USM. 
But you know, then Edge would turn around and beat him six to one. And you know, it. I don't know. I'm not sure who. I haven't seen Sun Prairie play, and I, I know that they had played Janesville. So I, I'm thinking you may have seen them play. No, I didn't see them play yet, but. Uh... That's a good question. I'd love to talk to Chris Finkler about that. I mean, a nine to eight game with USM. I mean, wow, what a what a shootout that was. I want to go back to the the East Side Lakers for a second, if I can. Yeah, go ahead. We got that note about them getting their first conference win in eight years. So I went to where anybody would expect to. I went to Madison.com to see if they had any articles about it. And I'm looking at their prep sports page right now and scrolling all the way back to January 18th where it stopped scrolling. There are zero hockey articles. Yeah, they... Zero. There's game, they don't send somebody I'm out. looking at like 30 high school sports stories over the last nine days and zero are hockey. Well, and <sighs> even when you look in the hard copy into the state journal... Basically, all you see for the uh, boys ho- for boys or girls hockey in the state journal are the box scores. Yeah, I mean, like there's yep. there's there's a bunch of football here, like some commits and stuff like that. Lots of basketball. I think there's a wrestling match in here. No hockey. Come on, none. You know the the Eau Claire Leader Telegram is behind a full on paywall now. You don't even get your you know three free articles a month or anything anymore. Um, there are days when, you know, with scores missing on our site. So I go to the Wausau daily Herald and I look at, you know, you know, every day the local papers have that, you know, Thursday's sports scores and you can see, you know, the basketball team and the wrestling team and everybody. Most of the time I go there, they don't have the hockey scores listed, just basketball and wrestling. I'm pretty sure that the, the lacrosse, the lacrosse tribune is the only, daily paper in the state that covers hockey. Well, I do know that if, I, if I'm if i looking for scores up around the Eau Claire area, I'll go to the um, Eau Claire Leader Telegram, and I can find uh, scores for the hockey in there. Uh, the, you can find scores, but you can't read any of their articles because they're behind a paywall. Right. And Superior, of course, I can go up there and, and find some articles. But since we're speaking about what was going on in Madison, uh, Burglar, didn't you have an interview on Madison this week? That was at the radio station. Um, yes, I was quite eloquent. Um, <laughs> I didn't go back and listen to it. There was a, it was a half-hour program that covered several topics, and I represented hockey because Trasher was in Tirana, and I, had the, I drew the short straw. Um, so yes, I, I, I think I did, I, I did, I did well. Trasher, were you auditioning for Don Cherry's job? No, no, but I do appreciate Burglar covering for me. Um, just wasn't able to, uh, as long as, uh, along with the, uh, the podcast last week, I mean, we just couldn't connect. Otherwise it'd have been pretty cool for, um, WIPH to have the first, uh, person from canada contributing to the the podcast but it just didn't work out that way well i thought we had you on on tape I, i'm pretty sure i heard you talking about the hobie baker stuff oh maybe <laughs> <laughs> hey trashers i can talk about it again tonight 
Trasher, is there any truth to the rumor that you brought back a Don Cherry jacket to wear at the state tournament? Uh, no. Um, but I did go to the Hall of Fame. I, I don't know if you guys, any of you the guys have been up. Okay. The Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto was actually pretty cool. Um, I was able to uh, look at the Stanley Cup, and I found where uh, one of our, our, our buddies from Wisconsin, Davis Drewiski, his name was on there, so I thought that was pretty cool. But um, I only was able to spend about an hour in the, the facility because uh, we got there really late, and then they closed at 5, so we got there at like 4, and then um, probably spent about an hour. But um, pretty awesome stuff. Uh, the, the big thing is the 9 and 99 exhibit with uh, Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky, and uh, <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff. So um, if you ever have a chance to get up there, and I know Chris McGurk actually is – a Toronto native. He's from Toronto originally. He knows all about that, but uh, it was a very, very cool thing to see. And uh, if you get a chance, go up there and check it out. That's That explains why he thinks he's the god of hockey around here. <laughs> well, he, what he doesn't know is that, or maybe he does know this, but on the uh, WIAA hockey website, there's a picture of our number one referee official dropping a puck on the, the, the home page. So, uh, Chris McGurk, eat your heart out. <laughs> Any of you guys ever been up to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame? Uh, that, that, that's located in Bill's mother's hometown? Yes. Yes. Been there. Okay. <laughs> yes. I have, I have pictures of, like, I think just William. I don't think Laurel. I was old enough. Like William sitting on the giant hockey puck, um, by the giant hockey stick. Yeah, I've been to the the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame at least twice. Only Hall of Fame I've made it to is I've been to Cooperstown. You know, when I was out in Colorado a couple of years ago, we were, went down to Colorado Springs, and Mason and I made the trip across the parking lot. We were right there by the World Arena. And just across that parking lot was the uh, USA Hockey facility, the offices and stuff. And, you know, there's just just something when we went in there. It just was kind of disappointing. I guess, like, maybe Mike expected a lot more of, you know, displays of, you know, nostalgia and memorabilia. But there really wasn't that much stuff there. And got to admit, I was kind of disappointed. But that's about as close as I've come to the Hall of Fame. Um, I did get to the one up at, up at Pines. And uh, I did see a post on, uh, I think it was either Facebook or Twitter. There's a picture of Cal Roadhouse looking around in the uh, in the Wisconsin Hockey Hall of Fame, and the question was, is is that guy going to end up in there? Yeah, that was Facebook, and uh, Cal Roadhouse is definitely a legend. Um, not sure exactly uh, where he fits in with Wisconsin hockey in the the meantime, but. Um, yeah, I mean, that's I've been in there, and that's uh, a, a pretty nice place. I think they need to expand it, and I think they're planning on doing that. Uh, it just seems to be really small for for all the people that are in there. They're all kind of crammed together. So, uh, yeah, but who knows? Cal has uh, done a lot of stuff for ho- hockey in Wisconsin and uh, definitely a, a lot of stuff for 
hack you out of the state, but we'll see what happens. Does a lot of stuff for the um, for the junior Jets, and he also does stuff for uh, Team Wisconsin over at the Minnesota Showcase. He's over there with his good buddy Dave Whitting, and um, there's another guy that'll probably end up in there as well, Dave Whitting. Um, let's move on. Uh, we've got uh, our games of the week coming up this week. The Badgerland Conference tournament is coming up. And WIPH will be covering the uh, championship game on Saturday of the Badgerland Conference tournament. And girls game tomorrow night. Black River Falls is taking on Wisconsin Valley Union <laughs> in Marshfield. And made sure I got Union right there. Not the Red Panthers. Well, I was trying to go all Ron Burgundy on it, so I wrote Onion on purpose. On, onion, yeah. Yo, it's been, Cause, yeah. Because MJ will read anything that's on the teleprompter. No, it's not Onion, and it's been a few years since it's been the Red Panthers, but Trash will be there to cover that game tomorrow night in Black River Falls, Wisconsin Valley Union, 7 o'clock at the Marshfield Rink. Be there, aloha. And I will be at the Badgerland Conference Championship, which I don't think we made it to last year, but we've been to, I know, at least the three before that. That's our Badgerland Conference. We talk about this every year at this time, our favorite conference, because it's an eight, well, it was an eight-team conference that they play each other once. And then uh, the purpose of that is just for seeding for the tournament. And then they have uh, a, a tournament that, that wraps it up and crowns their conference championship. And the rule is that anything goes in that tournament. Uh, it's not <laughs> it, it's not often that the, the, the top-ranked team wins that. Um, so we'll be going back to this year. It's, it's, it's a seven-team tournament. Now, they, did, they did lose Beaver Dam, I think. Um, so, but but um, the, with the Great Northern Conference... Uh, they picked up on that. Uh, our good buddies, uh, the coaches um, in Anago and Northland Pines, uh, they pushed that through to the other uh, teams that they are also doing the same format. They play each other once, which is seeding for the conference tournament. I think that's that doesn't place take place this weekend, but it may take place next weekend. So uh, we may have our you know game of the week for the. The following week, uh, following up with, with that conference tournament, I think uh, I was, I think I was down uh, with something last year, and Bill covered that one for us. Um, but that's yep, we like that. Eight, you got an eighteen tournament, play each other once, do a conference tournament that frees up your schedule to play uh, other teams. I believe the Fox River Classic is doing a conference tournament this year as well. But that's only a five-team tournament, a five-team conference. I'd like to see. I'd like to see more conferences do tournament. Guys, you got any? Uh, guys, got any thoughts on seeing uh, more conference tournaments? Well, it, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged thing. Um, doing a conference where you're you're in a conference, you played each other twice. Uh, it makes it very easy for the scheduler. And generally, if you have a conference commissioner, it makes it easy on the teams because, you know, you've got 14 games that are scheduled. You play each team at your place. You play each team at their place. The conference commissioner lines up the officials. 
it's easy on the coaches. Um, I think the reason a lot of some of the teams don't do that is when you have really an unbalanced conference where you know your top one or two teams are playing at one level and your bottom teams are playing at a different level. And you know there's you don't want to you don't want to force those teams to play each other twice. Um, yeah, and you know for that it, it's easier. But if you got a balanced ter- tournament, well, I mean a balanced conference, then you play each other. Like I said, easier on the scheduler, but probably better for the teams involved at the top and bottom end. You know they can. They, you know, rather than facing the, the, the top team again, they can play somebody else more on their level. Uh, frees them to go to a, a, a holiday tournament where the other teams are, you know, more at their level. See, you not- see a lot of that, Bill. It was with uh, holiday tournaments. I did notice that you'll see a lot of teams go to tournaments, but you'll see the teams kind of play usually around, you know, competitive level that they're playing. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they try to do it. That's why, you know, the same core group of teams plays each other at the start of the season in Eau Claire. Eau Claire, Notre, Notre Dame, Wausau West, and Superior always play that tournament at the start of season Eau Claire. Then they're all back in Green Bay for the, the showdown. And then they extended the showdown this year to another four-team tournament in, in Wausau. Uh, interrupted by weather, but, I mean... Just, you know, those teams are playing each other a lot. I have all kinds of gimmicks I would like teams to do. You know, now that we, now that Pagelli um, is not fielding a team, there's four Cardinals left in the state. Uh, Chippewa Falls, Fond du Lac, Middleton, and Sun Prairie. I want to see the Cardinal Cup every year. I want to know who's the best Cardinal every year. Um, uh, are you ever, are, we're not basketball fans here, but are any of you familiar with the Big Ten ACC Challenge? Yes. The Big Ten and the ACC play each other in basketball at the start of every basketball season. I would like to see the Classic Eight and the Big Eight, you know, take their 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 you know their each eight team conferences have one versus one at the start of next season, two versus two, you know, based on last year's standings. Have all eight teams face off. That's a game right there, and you know, see which conference reigns supreme. I would like to see stuff like that. Um, oh, yeah, I think perfect, they're fun. A perfect one. A perfect one would be the Badger North and Badger South. I mean they're located basically in the same area so it's not like a long trip for anybody do the same thing badger north versus badger south tournament to start the season yeah that stuff would be fun you know just adds a little fake rivalry factor in but you know what that can be fun and it's easy for the schedulers to get out of the way we they know that like all right this weekend we're playing some random team from the big eight you know well the other thing is with with the badger north and badger south they usually end up playing each everybody that one time in, in each other's conferences it is well not necessarily because I, I was looking for um we've got a couple of teams like uh mcfarland and wanaki one's in the badger north one's in the badger south they're they're both i think they're both ranked in our division two they don't they? play each other this year i didn't see i looked at the schedule i didn't see them. yeah i, I I know for a lot, a lot of it, they do, they do end up playing the other ones in the conference. I don't know if they get them all in. But. Oh, apparently they don't. Yep. Treasure, who's your guest there? That would be Junior. Who we call him Hudson. 
he wanted to come in and join us. So um, he'll be here for as long as <laughs> I guess he wants to be. If you hear a crashing sound, that's Treasure's cat knocking his drink off the desk. Well, he won't do that because my, de- my drink is in the middle of the desk. He's kind of off to the side. He's a good boy. Sometimes. Although I, you know, when you, Junior, when you brought that point up about uh, conferences, like the Big Ten ACC Channel Jets, that really is a good idea. I mean, that would be a lot of fun. All my ideas are good ideas, MJ. Well, if you say so, I mean, sure, but I like that one a lot. I'm I'm oh. emotionally far more invested in the Cardinal Cup. <laughs> Let's talk to the coaches about it. Be kind of fun to do that. Um, final thoughts, guys. Uh, Saturday is February 1st, as we know, and uh, time we uh, start thinking about our uh, end-of-season awards, I would bet. And uh, Trasher, who just loves handing out awards and talking about awards, um, anything you would you like to spread out to the, our listeners? Well, um, with regard to one award, um, I'm going to talk about Hobie. And, Bill, I can see you shaking your head already on this one. Um, I got the, the, <laughs> exactly. I got the latest report from Jim Hayes, uh, who basically runs the Hobie show. 35 boys so far out of 83, which is 42%. Nine girls out of 28, which is 32%. We only have nine days left. I mean, come on, guys. Get your nominations in. Uh, this is a, a worthwhile award. Um, I'm preaching to the choir here because all you guys know this is a great thing. It's a, um, basically, it's a, a great thing to put on your college resume. It's a great thing to put on a, a job resume. You know, hey, I got this Hobie Baker Award. Well, what's that for? Well, it means uh, leadership, uh, this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, I mean, employers look at stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Um, uh, so that's basically my only thing as far as the, the awards go. And uh, yes, and Dell and MJ, I'm sure you'll you'll lead on to this a little bit more. But um, we're talking about the like the WIPH awards that are coming up soon. Um, maybe you guys can give a little more detail on that. Well, before we jump into that, uh, following up on what Trash is saying about the Hobie Baker Award, coaches, if you have nominated somebody and you did not get a reply from Jim Hayes on it within a 24-hour period. Either try sending him an email again. If you still don't get a reply, fire off an email to either Trasher or myself, and we'll follow up with Jim Hayes because I do know I talked to a coach earlier this year um, in the last week saying that you know he had a player that he had nominated and it got missed because he couldn't get a reply. I mentioned something to Jim Hayes about it. And he just asked me to follow up on him if I hear any more about that. So if you if you have nominated, you didn't get a reply back within 24 hours. Uh, you know, let's just make sure that we do our follow up on it so that the player you nominated is getting recognized. Yeah, and I I think that um, 
no, if you uh, nominate a player, that player, he or she will get nominated or, you know, will get recognized and will get the award. So um, no problem on that. Just, uh, you know, like Dell said, make sure that it, it all works out and uh, definitely an awesome award and one that I, I think, you know, and burglar, right. Hundred percent. No reason. No excuses. Why can't we do this? Well, on to the WIPH awards. On the girls' side, coaches, I will be sending out an email within the next week asking for your recommendations for from your team for the Janelle Sergi Award, which is our offensive player, for the Molly Ingstrom Award, which is the defensive player, and for the Jesse Vetter Award, which is the goaltender. And then once again, we'll be doing the Rachel Bible Award, or actually it's not called the Rachel Bible. Um, I'll have to look and see the exact name on it again because I can't remember Rachel's married name. Uh, but we'll be doing that award. That award basically comes back as the Unsung Hero Award. Uh, it's not necessarily a player that you find their name in the box scores every week. It's that player that's doing all the dirty things on the ice for you. The one that's sitting there and working their butts off at practice and to help and set an example for the team as to what's needed. That's not always the person that's putting all the goals in, in the net. That's not the goaltender that's stopping every puck every time. This is that player that's busting their ass and doing what they can to help you uh, become a better team help your teammates become better players and genuinely cares about your team. And with that, I'll let MJ talk about the boys' side. Unless unless Rachel got remarried in the last year, it's the Rachel Kenyon Award. Thank That's... you. Well, the boys, we have the awards coming up. We have the Joe Pavelski Award for forward, the top forward. Also, the Davis Drewiski Award for defenseman. And the Kirk Dobbinspect Award for goalie. And on the boys' side, as Del was just talking to you about the Rachel Kenyon Award, we have the uh, Adam Burrish Award. Now, Adam Burrish went on and had a nice career in the NHL and made some pretty good money. But he was one of those guys that uh, in the NHL was just had to battle for everything he got. And, uh, you know, he had some... Uh, he had some challenging stuff happen to him when he was in high school with a car accident. And all the way up, he had to battle to get where he was at. And we're looking for that guy who's just, like Dell said, one of those kids who works hard and um, is a good person, not always on in the box score, but somebody who also is a major asset to your team. And, guys, I can tell you one of the things when – I got to listen to Adam Burrish speak before at the Jets banquet. Adam Burrish talked about when he made the Chicago Blackhawks, one of the things he made it as was a fighter. And, you know, a lot of times he was outsized, but, you know, that's that's what got him there. And that's what, uh, you know, kept him on the roster. And, you know, he played a number of years in the NHL and, you know, got paid for it too. So, um not saying that we're looking for fighters in high school hockey. Well, no, but we know what you not. mean. Yeah, we know what you mean about Adam Burrish. Like he is a role player. I mean, he had his. He knew what his job yes. was. And he did it. Yes. And he went on. You know, he was. And 
it just it it kind of adds on to that that he went on and was you know a part of the Chicago Blackhawks uh, broadcast crew um, on a regular basis, and then you know, lo and behold, you know Patrick Sharp retires, and you know, as Jeremy Roenick says, you know Patrick Sharp is a good-looking guy. Um, you know, so <laughs> he he replaces Adam Burrish, you know, on on the the Chicago broadcast team, or kind of pushes Burrish down to a you know a secondary role on that. Just you know, so it's just. That's that. That's the way it is for guys like Adam Burch. You know, the pretty boys step up and take your spot, and you just gotta, you know, kind of fight to keep your place in the world. Well, Adam Burch is not exactly a, a non-pretty boy. He's a, a hey, very, he, look, very he, good-looking he's, dude. He's, he's no Patrick Sharp. Come on. Well, uh, Patrick Sharp, like, he's overrated. Like Jeremy Roenick like says, you know, I overrated. But you know what? Patrick Sharp never has a hair out of place, does he? No, he doesn't. Yeah, no, but he's he not a Wisconsin guy, so screw him. Patrick him and Sharp. Henrik, him and Henrik Lundqvist, you know? Yeah, you guys go off someplace else. We got our Wisconsin guys. guys. Adam Burrish, you rock. I'll let him know you said that. <laughs> Any other final thoughts, guys? I hope not. I this show. No, 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 no. I have final thoughts. Come on now. Here, well, come on. Hey, we were afraid we, of that. We are, yeah. We, no, no, no. It's this, this is a, a small one, but um, game stories. You know, we talked about doing that. Um, we've only gotten a handful since my last rant, and uh, I think my thing is, don't be afraid. You know, send them to us. We will touch them up if need be and post them. Um, you know, we'd like to get your team a little publicity, and uh, basically, there's only like two or three teams that do it. So, uh, come on, get out there, go to the game. You know, take some notes, write a little story. It doesn't have to be much. You know, three, four paragraphs or whatever. Send it to us. We'll post it. Uh, you guys get some pub, and it's all—it's good for all of us. Good for you. Good for us. And that's it. Thank you. This is T Dog, and I am out. T Dog. T Dog. I can't hear you. You're making funny you know, gestures at me. You're, you're not allowed to give. You. You're not allowed to give yourself a nickname. I think. I no, think no, and this is no, no. This is not a, a. I made myself a nickname. It's. Uh, I've been trasher forever and ever and ever, amen. And uh, it's been, it became trasher dog. And then after that, it became trasher or T dog. So it's, you know, in this case, T dog, we're out.